Chapter 20 Wrapped in Cellophane Where was Hatsy? Moore was driving up into the grove now, and for all Pete knew, Hatsy had started telling one of his long stories to Custer. Pete didn't dare leave the horses. He had an impulse to call out, but stopped himself in time. Then he heard footsteps. Hatsy came around the end of the diner, sloshing a pail of water in each hand. Look, Pete said in a low voice. There in the grove. It's Moore. Good. I got Custer all set inside. I looked through the window and saw the fellow that drove Moore to the ranch in the jeep. No other customers. So I sneaked in through the pump shed and gave Custer the high sign to come out. He said another fellow that looked like Moore came in here regular about this time of night. I'll tell you what, Pete said. Moore will probably come up here. As soon as he does, I'll sneak over and have a look at the jeep. There's nothing that we can do unless he's got something with him that he shouldn't have. Pete had been keeping his eye on the grove. Now he heard footsteps approaching and soon was able to pick out the dim silhouette of a man. Was it Moore? Sandy gave the answer. He snorted and tugged at his reins. At the sound of the horse, which he couldn't see in the darkness behind the diner, the man paused. Then, apparently deciding there was nothing to investigate, he kept on. And in the light from the diner, Pete saw Moore's bulky figure. When the diner door had slammed, Hatsy said, I'll tie the Appaloosas here and wait around outside. After you've looked at the jeep, go over to the wagon and get out my wall bag. There's an old six-shooter in it. It looks wicked and might come in handy. Pete swung into the saddle and turned Sandy toward the grove. When he reached the trees, the horses grew more and more nervous. Pete guessed that it was still Moore's scent that upset the horse. Dismounting at the edge of the grove, he tied Sandy to a tree, then pushed through the brush toward the place where they had found the truck. Feeling his way, he reached the truck first. Parked a few feet behind it, he found the jeep. Pete lit a match. The back of the jeep held a large, canvas-covered object. Working by feel, he untied a corner of the canvas, which was damp. Under it was a big metal container, very cold to the touch. He threw the canvas back still further, then felt around in the dark and found a movable lid, which he raised with one hand while he reached inside with the other. His fingers closed first around a small chunk of ice. Probing further, they grasped something cool and soft and slippery. Puzzled, he lit another match and looked into the box. The small, flickering flame revealed cellophane-wrapped packages surrounded by chunks of ice. Pete lifted out a package to examine it more carefully. Through the transparent wrappings, he could see a duck with its feathers still on. Pete felt certain that if he examined the duck, he'd find it had been caught with a fish hook and not shot. He put it back and reached in again. This time he found a wrapped chunk of something that could only be meat. Pete dropped a lid and was pulling the canvas back down when he heard Hatsy's thin, sharp voice shouting, Pete! Pete! Watch it! Watch it! Pete scrambled through the brush towards Sandy. Against the light of the diner, he saw a figure, it could only be more, running toward the grove. Sandy was dancing nervously as Pete untied the reins and swung himself into the saddle. Almost without thinking, Pete turned the horse toward the running figure. Hearing the commotion ahead, Moore hesitated, started to swerve, stumbled, and fell flat. He was on his feet again at once, but apparently confused. He started to run toward the highway. That was all Pete needed to see. He touched Sandy with his boot heels and the horse bounded forward. The next moment, Pete had his rope uncoiled and was shaping a loop. With the man between him and the light of the diner, he could see well enough to make a cast. In the dim glow, the rope sailed out and fell over Moore's shoulders. Reining in Sandy and pulling the rope taut at the same instant, Pete jerked the man off his feet. Moore's arms were pinioned to his side at his elbows. Hatsy! Pete yelled. I got him! I'm coming! The old man called. Moore tried to scramble to his feet, but Pete touched Sandy again and jerked the man flat on his back, dragging him a little way before he could stop the horse. 
Now Hatsy was close enough to see what had happened. The fall had dazed more, but he tried again to get up. With just a sharp pull of the rope, Pete kept him off his feet. Lie still, more, Hatsy ordered. I'll scalp you with this milk bottle I got in my hand if you make a move. And Pete can drag you round this way till the sheriff comes. If it, you ain't peaceable. Moore said nothing and lay staring up. Pete managed to keep Sandy fairly quiet, but every once in a while he shied a little, giving a sharp tug at the taut rope. What did you find, Pete? Hatsy asked. A lot of ducks and meat, Pete answered. Okay, Moore, we got the goods on you, Hatsy said. For your information, I'm a game warden. Your partner's in the diner looking at the business end of Custer's Colt. Now I'll tell you what you're going to do, and don't try any funny business till I finish. I'm right here with this milk bottle. You're going to roll over and keep rolling over toward the horse till I say stop. Pete, you give him just enough slack on the rope so he can wrap himself up in it. Ready now? Roll. Moore didn't stir for a moment, and Pete was afraid he would make a sudden move, loosen the loop, and try and get away. But Hatsy flourished the milk bottle over the man's head. Want Pete to drag you? Get rolling, he ordered. With an angry growl, Moore heaved himself over and began to wind himself in the rope. When there were four turns of it pinning to his arms and body tightly, Hatsy said, Now get on your knees and bend over. Handing Pete the milk bottle, Hatsy took the end of the rope and knotted it firmly behind Moore's back. All right, Moore, get up and don't look around. Now walk slow to the diner. Clumsily, Moore heaved himself onto his feet and obeyed. Pete had his hands full managing Sandy as they approached the brightly lit front of the diner. Moore kept edging away from the horse and seemed relieved to step in through the doorway at last. Got another customer for you. Hatsy called out as he shoved Moore down toward the end of the diner where the truck driver stood with his hands over his head. Pete was reluctant to miss anything, but he couldn't leave Sandy here. Quickly, he tied him near the quiet Appaloosas at the back of the diner, then ran around to the front. Give us a hand, Pete, Hatsy said. Moore and the truck driver were standing in the corner of the diner, and Custer was leaning over the counter with his heavy old colt pointed at them. Custer said he's got some clothes lined in the pump shed. Go through the door behind the counter and rustle it up. Pete found the clothesline in a hurry and brought it back. Now you hombres, Hatsy said. We could play hands up from now to the law comes for you. But that would interfere with Pete and me getting a bite to eat, which we came here for. So we're going to leave you sit down nice and comfy at the counter. Moore, you're first. Come over and fork this stool. Custer waggled his gun and Moore went to the stool as he had been ordered. Now, Pete, you lash his feet to the footrest down there so he won't get bucked off. Pete had a vision of getting kicked in the head, but with a few swift turns of the rope, he had Moore tied so he couldn't leave the stool, which was fixed to the floor. The other man came next, still with his hands in the air. Pete lashed his feet and then bound his hands behind him. Hatsy inspected the knots and said at last, I'll call the law now. When he had finished his call, he swung up beside Pete, who was sitting on a stool at the counter. Custer grinned and said, What will it be, gents? It's on the house. Ham and eggs and apple pie la mode, Pete said promptly. He had been looking at the blackboard with the menu chalked on it all the time Hatsy was phoning. Wait a minute, Hatsy said. What did you find in the jeep, Pete? Ducks and meat wrapped up fancy and packed in ice. Hatsy considered a minute. Little late to start roasting a duck, but the meat might be kind of interesting. 
Pete, you bore Custer's flashlight and get us a sample. When Pete returned with a large chunk of meat, Hatsy and Custer examined it carefully before removing the cellophane. It's wrapped up pretty as a box of chocolates, Hatsy said, except there's no ribbon on it. I saw chickens done up this way once in a fancy store in Tucson, but I never heard of anybody camping out on a mountainside and going all to trouble. He took off the wrapping and studied the meat. Custer, write venison steak on your menu. I'm cooking it. It's your night off. You sit here like a paying customer, picking your teeth with that old shooting iron of yours. Pete had never tasted venison, and he was eager to try it, but he wondered a little whether they would be breaking the law to eat it. What will the sheriff say? he asked. He'll say he has to confiscate the meat and give it to a hospital or poorhouse or something. But the law won't begrudge us a little reward we hand ourselves for stopping a rattlesnake that kills does and ducks out of season. While Pete went out to water and unsaddle Sandy, Hatsy got to work.